What's up, everybody? It's Michael, and welcome back to episode 36 of the Sunset Single Player Podcast this week. And there is a lot of news to get into this week, which is pretty exciting. I feel like after a couple slow months, two slow months at the beginning of the year where there wasn't much news in terms of video games, lately we just got dropped with a lot of new information pertaining not only to PlayStation, but also a major update on Halo Infinite, a major Nintendo update as well, even after the direct from last week that we reported on. So there's a lot to go into today. So I imagine this one will be a slightly longer episode than normal, which is great. I do like when there's a lot going on in the industry and there's a lot more that we can discuss and speculate on and talk about. But before we get into the news, I do want to go over briefly what I've been playing lately. And I did recently beat Bioshock 1 through the Bioshock collection on PS5 over the past week. I played it over the course of about a week, and I probably blitzed through the game in about nine hours, I would estimate, having played it once before about two and a half years ago back on the PS4, and I really do love this game a lot. It's definitely one of my favorite games of all time now that I understand the story a little bit more. It basically takes place in Rapture, which is essentially an insane asylum that started as a utopia that's turned into this kind of crazy place to be under water with two warring leaders in Andrew Ryan and Frank Fontaine and as the playable character Jack you're kind of thrust into this crazy world after your plane crashes over the ocean and you take the bathysphere that you find down to Rapture. There's a really great twist about two-thirds of the way through the game if you guys haven't played it that you can look forward to. Bioshock really just does have incredible exploration and atmosphere. I love exploring Rapture and trying to piece together through audio logs what exactly happened in this underwater utopia and what caused everything to go to hell in this area. The combat's really great. I love the first person shooting. I love that you can upgrade your weapons and equip plasmids to launch fire or lightning bolts or winter freeze attacks at your enemies in addition to your heavier weaponry and your bullets. I do think that the gameplay holds up really, really well in this game and it does run really well on PS5 at 60 frames. I think it's 4K as well. So this is definitely a really great way to play the game. I could definitely tell it was improved performance-wise over the PS4 version of the game which is great because I don't even think they released. In fact, I know they didn't release a native PS5 version of Bioshock, so the game just does run better on the newer hardware, which is awesome. And I read that Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite are the same way, so that'll be great to check out momentarily as well. And I also love fighting the big daddies in the game. It's definitely a blast and a challenge to take these huge enemies head on. And you really have to make good use of plasmids and strong weaponry for these bad boys. I was also really happy to see that I was able to take down the final boss of the game on my first try, whereas it took me about an hour. I remember the last time through the game. For defeating the final boss this time, I mostly focused on my electricity plasmid and the steel tipped crossbow. I just crafted a lot of the ammo in the one station. It's not the gene bank. I forget the name of the one station in the game where you can craft bullets, but I just crafted a ton of steel tipped crossbow bolts and used the electric plasmids. And that worked very well against the final boss because the bolts just do so much damage. And if you can freeze them in place, you can take them down quite easily and quickly. I also really liked the themes in the game. And I thought that Ken Levine did a really good job with handling the story in the game. And it makes me really excited, I should say, for Ghost Story Games' game coming up, which of course is the studio that Ken Levine is currently leading. And we don't know too much about that game yet. So I'm sure we'll get an update on that this year. But some themes in Bioshock that really stood out to me were the power of free will, the dangers of government, greed, corruption, and a lot of other themes as well. And I am going to replay Bioshock Infinite next while we're still in a kind of calm before the storm and before we get all these next-gen game releases beginning mostly in April at this point. And again, we'll get into all of the updated release dates later in the show today. So definitely expect some additional videos coming soon to the channel on Bioshock. Definitely Bioshock 1 and probably Bioshock Bioshock Infinite as well. And I did also just put up two Last of Us 2 videos with at least one to two more on the way as well, if you'd like to check them out and enjoy them. And remember, if you could just leave a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel, I'd really appreciate it. Definitely look forward to more content coming soon, especially once these newer games come out. But before they do, we're definitely going to focus on some of these classic older games like Bioshock 1 and Infinite, and even more recent games like Last of Us 2 as well on the channel. So besides playing Bioshock lately, I have been doing these home workouts. 
on my TV in my living room in my apartment. And I use a YouTube channel. I found this guy on YouTube called Bully Juice is the name of his channel. And it's basically this big jacked guy that makes home workout videos and you follow along and do them with him. And some of them are definitely pretty tough. I recommend if you guys out there want to try to exercise and try to get in better shape while you wait for nicer weather to arrive. I do recommend this YouTube channel called Bully Juice, B-U-L-L-Y and then Juice. And when the nicer weather comes, I am going to ramp up running outside in Pittsburgh. But for now, while it's still cold and there's snow on the ground, it's definitely good to get some workouts in at home. Other than that, I did recently learn a new board game with some friends called Settlers of Catan that is definitely really fun. And the goal of the game is to build up roads and settlements and cities to gain points to win by using various resources and cards that give extra perks. It's a really fun board game if you guys are looking for something new to check out. I also want to mention that at this time, now that I've gotten through Demon Souls and Sackboy, I did want to do a Game of the Year 2020 episode, even if it is a bit late. And I was planning on doing it this week, but there was just a major influx of news this week that I think it would be better to focus on the news this week rather than my Game of the Year updates and list. So unless a ton of major news hits next week, let's plan for the Game of the Year episode next week in addition to some news items that may come in. So that should make a good episode for next week. I'll go over either my top five or top 10 games of the year from 2020 if you guys are looking for some recommendations to check out. So in terms of news, there was a Sony state of play for PS4 and PS5 and a bunch of other various updates. So what we're going to do is go into the state of play last and we'll do the other updates first. So with that being said, let's get right into it. So number one this week, and this occurred fairly early on in the week, was that Gran Turismo 7, the upcoming PlayStation 5 racing game, was delayed to 2022. So GamesRadar.com did report that Gran Turismo 7 will be delayed due to COVID-related production challenges. And in the article, they do quote Sony themselves, who stated, quote, Gran Turismo 7 has been impacted by COVID-related production challenges and therefore will shift from 2021 to 2022. With the ongoing pandemic, it's a dynamic and changing situation, and some critical aspects of game production have been slowed over the past several months. We'll share more specifics on Gran Turismo 7's release date when available, end quote. So this is definitely disappointing for big racing fans and Gran Turismo fans, but to me it does make sense. The game was looking really ambitious and beautiful and very realistic in the first state of play where it was announced last year. The driving and the sound design both look to be really, really incredible. So I imagine that the game will be a lot better and more polished now with this delay. So I do view this as always as a good thing. I like when games are delayed. It is good for the end product, even if it does make us be a little bit more patient. And also, I don't really think there's a big reason to rush it out since so many Gran Turismo fans probably don't even have a PlayStation 5 yet. So I think overall, this was definitely a smart move by Sony and Polyphony to delay this game. This will allow the game to be better and also allow more people to get their hands on a PlayStation 5 before playing it. I imagine by 2022, hopefully the supply lines will be somewhat returned to normal and you can hopefully go into a store and buy a PlayStation 5 instead of just relying on really random drops. It seems like at this point online through online retailers and Sony themselves. So I do think that this was definitely a smart idea to delay this one. Number two, and this is another big one, and again, guys, I can't even put into words how much news came out this week, especially compared to prior weeks. It really is like five to six times as much news it does really feel like. So number two is that the PlayStation blog did put up a short article this week pertaining to the next iteration and version of PlayStation VR. The next iteration is coming, but not in 2021. So Hidaki Nishino, who is the Senior Vice President of Platform Planning and Management, took to the PlayStation blog to announce Quote, Today, I'm pleased to share that our next generation VR system will be coming to PlayStation 5, enabling the ultimate entertainment experience with dramatic leaps in performance and interactivity. Players will feel an even greater sense of presence and become even more immersed in their game worlds once they put on the new headset. End quote. Nishino goes on to say that both the resolution and the field of view will be enhanced from the current iteration and the current PlayStation VR unit, and the new unit will connect to the PlayStation 5 with a single cord to simplify the setup and user experience. There's also a new VR controller coming that will replicate some features already found in the DualSense, with a greater focus on ergonomics from the prior PlayStation VR controller. Finally, they said that they're still hard at work on the development of this iteration, so it won't be ready in 2021. However, partners around the globe are beginning to develop VR games for this next generation VR platform already. And we still don't know if it's going to be called PSVR 2 or something else entirely. So I do think that even though we don't really know concrete 
information about the unit other than a few details that I just mentioned, and we don't even know the name of the unit, I do think it's great that they're letting fans know that it is in fact coming. Now I'm for sure going to wait for this new unit rather than buy a current PlayStation VR. I can definitely be patient, and I assume the next VR unit will be backwards compatible with the PlayStation VR games that are out now. I definitely really want to play Astrobot Rescue Mission and Moss. Probably revisit Resident Evil 7 in VR. I heard that game in VR is really, really something special. So once I get the new unit, I'll definitely have a nice little backlog of VR games that I missed out on to play for the first time, which is definitely exciting too. And I imagine by that time, these games would be severely discounted. So I'll get them for pretty cheap. And I do imagine from my own just personal guess, I do think that we'll be seeing this VR unit, this PSVR 2 or whatever they end up calling it. I do think it's going to be released in the spring or the summer of 2023, maybe fall 2022 at the absolute earliest, but I really think 2023 is more likely. I do think that they're going to want more time to polish it up and get it ready for release. They're also going to want the consumers, their consumers around the globe to get their hands on a PS5 before they get PSVR. So maybe they think that people will get a PS5 in 2022, but maybe they shouldn't make the investment in VR in the same year. Like that might be a thousand dollars close to it when it's all said and done. Like maybe the new VR unit will be like three or 400 bucks and you got to buy some games. So they probably don't want people buying the PS5 and the VR at the same time, or maybe they don't think it's likely that that would be realistic for them. So I do think that a 2023 release year is much more likely. I think that by the end of 2022, I think a lot more people will have PS5. So I think pushing it to 2023 makes the most sense, but we'll just have to wait and see. And of course I will report on it as we get more information in on the new VR unit. Number three, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 was delayed indefinitely. So website Engadget.com reported that the game published by Paradox Interactive is being delayed indefinitely and pre-orders are stopping at this point in time. However, they reiterated that the game is still in development. So Paradox basically came out and said in a statement on Twitter, I think was where they first posted it, that the current developer, the Seattle-based Hardsuit Labs, was being taken off the project and will no longer be leading the development on the game. So they said that the game was very ambitious and they did appreciate Hardsuit Labs' work to lay the foundation of the game. However, it seemed like the developer wasn't meeting the standards that Paradox Interactive expected of the new Masquerade Bloodlines game. So at this time, we still don't know the new developer of the game, but they're going to update us later. So I do think that this is really sad news. I personally thought the trailer for the game shown off a while ago. I think it was shown off in the first Sony State of Play when they announced the PS5. I thought the game looked really good and cool, and it even did give me some Bioshock vibes, just the characters and the atmosphere and the world itself in the game. And I don't know what happened with Hard Suit Labs to cause this indefinite delay, to cause them to be taken off the project. We'll have to see if more information comes out on this and what happens moving forward. We still don't even know who's going to be brought in to finish the game. It does sound like they won't be scrapping Hardsuit Labs' hard work on the game and will be using it as a foundation, which is good, but it's still definitely unfortunate. I bet a lot of the developers over at Hardsuit Labs were enjoying working on the game and Maybe there's more to the story we don't know yet, but it's definitely disappointing that they were taken off because I did think the game looked good, so it's a little bit confusing and surprising to me. Unless the trailer was just a really good trailer and maybe there were problems we didn't know about, which seems to be the case, but it's a little bit confusing to me because I thought the trailer looked really, really good. So hopefully they keep some of that aesthetic and atmosphere that I noticed in the first trailer in the end game once they do decide on a new developer. So we'll just have to wait and see who they bring in to finish this game off. Number four, Days Gone is coming to PC this spring, and it sounds like other PlayStation titles will be on their way to PC as well that we still don't know of yet at this time. So website TheVerge.com reported that Days Gone is coming to PC this spring and that additional PlayStation games will follow suit and be coming to PC as well, presumably in 2021. So Jim Ryan, the president of PlayStation, told the publication British GQ that there were a few factors that came into play when making the decision to bring some of these PlayStation exclusive titles to PC. So he did say that games are number one, becoming more expensive to make in this new console cycle, and two, that bringing games to PC will allow more people to experience some of PS4's most wonderful games and help expand their audience. So we do know that Horizon Zero Dawn and Death Stranding recently made the jump to PC as well, which made sense from a business standpoint. And I do think that this makes sense as well, it continues to make sense to me, getting Days Gone over to PC. You can definitely get away with charging at least $40 
$20 for the game on PC. And I do think that the game is pretty much done for them sales-wise on PS4. And it's also included and even free in the PlayStation Plus collection on PS5. So you definitely want to extract as much value out of the game as you can. Porting it to PC and getting non-console players interested makes a lot of sense to me. And it makes sense mostly because not only are they getting that extra revenue for the single game itself, but I also think it's a smart way to get potential consumers interested in PlayStation as a platform. So we already know that Horizon is getting a sequel stated to be coming this year for PS4 and PS5, and Days Gone is likely to get a sequel as well, if the ending for the first game is any indication. So I do think, and I'm sure I've said this in the past as well, that it does make a lot of sense and it is logical to draw these people in on PC, and maybe if they like these games, they'll migrate over to PS5 where the sequels will be ready to go when they're ready, and I doubt that Days Gone and Horizon sequels will be coming to PC right away, maybe like three, four years down the line. I doubt PC players will get the sequels day and date, especially for Horizon. There's no way that they'll release Horizon Forbidden West on PC day and date. I'd be shocked. So I think this makes a lot of sense. They'll get some PC players interested in Days Gone and Horizon. And once the sequels are ready, maybe those players will buy PS5s and convert from PC players to PlayStation players. I think it's definitely likely and makes sense from a business side of things. And on my thoughts on Days Gone, I know I've mentioned it briefly in the past. And before I started doing the podcast, I did beat this game back in 2019. I thought it was fun, but it didn't really do anything super amazing or anything super well. It was just kind of a fun slightly above average game i thought what they did with the hordes was really cool and new at the time and a really fun gameplay mechanic but it wasn't really introduced until later in the game and i really wish they would have focused on that more as opposed to some of the other more bland kind of basic missions in the game but i do think that days gone laid a pretty good foundation and the sequel could definitely build on it and improve it in pretty much every way and i did hear days gone runs really well now on ps5 and like i said it is included in the playstation plus collection runs at 4k and 60 frames so if you have a ps5 and haven't played the game yet and are looking for a new game to play i do recommend checking days gone out but there's definitely a ton of other titles i'd recommend before days gone but that's just me i know that it does have a really big fan base and people do love days gone even though it did kind of have a rocky launch out the gate for ps4 they definitely fixed the game and to hear that it's running really well on ps5 now is a really great success turnaround story for sony bend and i'm happy that the game sold well too i definitely want to see sony take more risks in games like this and new ips so i'm glad that days gone seemed to do well from a commercial standpoint as well and getting the game over to PC is just a logical next step to get some more revenue to hopefully invest in the sequel or maybe other projects. I think it's a smart move that Sony's engaging in at this point in time. Number five, Anthem 2.0 from EA and Bioware was shut down and the focus moving forward will be on Dragon Age 4 and Mass Effect. So NicheGamer.com reported that EA and Bioware have announced that they're ending active development for Anthem. So the game will continue to run as it exists today and be supported but no new content or improvements will be added. So the game will only exist as it exists now on the consoles and PC. So we learned that COVID challenges made working on improving Anthem very difficult. And we heard from Anthem executive producer Christian Daly, who said that they decided that they need to laser focus their efforts and target the next Dragon Age and Mass Effect titles while continuing to provide updates for Star Wars The Old Republic rather than continuing to work on Anthem. So to me, while this might be disappointing for the Anthem fans that are out there, this does make sense. Anthem did not have a large player base at all. The game was not that good from what I've heard. So it makes sense to me to focus more time, money, and resources from Bioware and EA on Mass Effect and Dragon Age because ultimately, Bioware is a single-player focused studio. They make single-player focused RPGs. That's how they got huge. They got huge through Mass Effect, and people love the Dragon Age games as well. So it doesn't make sense to me why they even tried to make Anthem to begin with. I mean, the reason was EA wanted to make money, and they told Bioware to make it. But you think you would want your studios making what they're best at and not getting into this multiplayer live service nonsense. And to expand on that, according to ScreenRant.com, Bioware also recently confirmed that the next Dragon Age game, Dragon Age 4, will be a single-player focused only RPG experience. So apparently we learned in this article from Screen Rant that EA wanted to make the game have a live service multiplayer focus, which is really stupid in my opinion that even after seeing the failure of Anthem, 
they would want to go this route for Dragon Age, which is known to be a single player focused RPG franchise. It's really dumb. Like, why would you want to make your single player RPG a live service multiplayer game? That's not what your fans want. So ultimately, it seems like based on a combination of the failure of Anthem and Bioware, probably pleading with EA, they are making the game single player, a single player RPG, which is what they should be doing. So this is definitely a good thing to hear. And this is exciting news for Dragon Age fans that EA isn't turning this franchise into a live service multiplayer type of game. It's going to be a single player focused RPG. So definitely good news there. I'm sure that the major losses associated with Anthem definitely helped influence this decision. But I still think that we should definitely be wary of EA moving forward. We should definitely hope that they learn their lesson from this and that Bioware can continue to make excellent single player action games and action RPGs, I should say. Number six, Sony Japan is reorganizing and the Asobi team will be the main team moving forward. So Sony did release an updated statement regarding the future of its internal Sony Japan studio and a division of that studio, Asobi team. And this was relayed by IGN.com. So Sony stated, quote, in an effort to further strengthen business operations, Sony Interactive Entertainment can confirm PlayStation Studios Japan Studio will be reorganized into a new organization on April 1st. Japan Studio will be recentered to Team Asobi, the creative team behind Astro's Playroom, allowing the team to focus on a single vision and build on the popularity of Astro's Playroom. In addition, the roles of external production, software localization, and IP management of Japan Studio titles will be concentrated within the global functions of PlayStation Studios, end quote. So it sounds to me like Sony Japan's development will slow down outside of a Sobi team, and these other divisions of Sony Japan will now focus on external efforts and software issues and probably being more in a support role to other studios within Sony. So this announcement is definitely a bit disappointing for those that liked games like Ape Escape and The Last Guardian, but maybe sequels or similar games to these games will be made elsewhere within the company now. Ultimately, and maybe some could even say selfishly, I'm glad that out of all of the divisions and parts of Sony Japan internally, I'm glad that a Sobi team is the team that's sticking around. And it sounds like we'll be getting another Astros game based on this, which is great. I probably beat this drum a lot already, but Astros Playroom was really awesome on the PS5. And the fact that it was free made it even better. And I'd love to see more out of this franchise. I would definitely pay 40, 50, maybe even 60 bucks for an expanded Astros game that's much longer and has many more levels than Astros Playroom. I definitely would be interested in that. So hopefully we can get another Astros game out of Asobi somewhat soon for the PlayStation 5. Number seven, Halo Infinite has received new updates. So comicbook.com reported that Halo Infinite has received some new updates pertaining to its single player campaign alongside some new 4K screenshots. And this update comes off of the announcement that 343 Industries out of Washington State, the Microsoft-owned first-party studio of Halo Infinite, wants to release more updates on a monthly basis, I believe, pertaining to the next-gen Halo title. So we learned that Halo Infinite will take place on the Zeta Halo, and the goals for the game, and specifically the environmental designs of the game, were to focus in on legacy and simplicity. So the visuals in the game are are supposed to remind players of the original Halo on the Xbox, but obviously more improved to support the modern hardware and the modern times. And it was said that the team at 343 took their home of Washington State as an inspiration for the game. Halo Infinite contains numerous streams, rivers, and beautiful forests to explore and fight your way through throughout the single player component. And like we saw in the Xbox event from a while ago, Halo Infinite will feature a grapple shot, which is a new gadget that's said to make traversal across these environments a lot of fun. So we learned that Halo Infinite is set for release on Xbox Series X and Series S and PC sometime later in fall 2021. And I have to say, everybody, these screenshots are really impressive to me. And I did think the initial gameplay reveal trailer of Halo Infinite looked pretty good, even if it looked a little bit dated and not quite up to next-gen standards. But I think it was definitely the right call for the team to take the extra time to polish the game because the game is looking really, really good now. The screenshots show some really impressive lighting, some really vibrant colors and beautiful forests on the planet Zeta or the Zeta Halo. Excuse me, I'm not a Halo aficionado, but I do think that it was definitely the right decision to delay this game. And this might be the game that gets me to bite the bullet and get an Xbox, a next-gen Xbox, I should say. And if not this game, then I'll definitely get one later for Fable and Perfect Dark, I would imagine. 
but Halo Infinite's looking really good. I'm excited to see more Halo gameplay to see if it's something that I do end up feeling a strong urge to play. And at this time, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to go the Series X or Series S route. Really not sure. I mean, it is a $200 difference, but the Series X does have a lot of extra bells and whistles, better performance, better visuals, 4K resolution, similar to PS5. So I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do, but Halo Infinite, I'm definitely impressed with this latest update. I recommend you guys check out the latest screenshots. I imagine you'll probably be pretty impressed like I was. Number eight, Sony announced on the PlayStation blog that they're bringing back the Play at Home initiative this year. So we learned that Ratchet and Clank, the excellent 2016 Insomniac 3D action platformer, which was the remake of the first Ratchet game, will be free to download from March 1st through March 31st. After this, it will be yours to keep. And they did this last year as well with the Uncharted collection and Journey, if you guys remember, because of COVID and the stay at home play initiative, these games were offered for free last year as well. And Jim Ryan, the president of PlayStation, also announced in the blog post that from a free games perspective, this is just the beginning. In addition to Ratchet, there will be additional free games coming for this Play at Home initiative this year. So I'm definitely excited to see what these other games are. And my thoughts on this are a bit mixed. So while I do think it's really nice that they're making Ratchet and Clank free for everybody, it is already free on PS5 if you have the PS Plus collection. So it's kind of redundant that they're making this one of the free games, but still for people on PS4 that don't already own it, this is really great. You guys should play it. I really think that Ratchet and Clank 2016 is an excellent little title. It's not too long, perfect length, really good game to spend your time with. But on the flip side of things, I can't help but this is just a little bit of a sneaky marketing tool to help increase the sales and a awareness for Rift Apart. And maybe I shouldn't say sneaky. I think it's smart more than anything. But I guess where the sneakiness comes in is that it's a little bit interesting to announce this game when the new one is three months away. You definitely just want to increase awareness for it. So maybe they shouldn't market it as like such a great charitable thing they're doing where it really is kind of just a marketing tool to help increase sales and excitement for Rift Apart, which I can't blame them for. I just think that you guys should be aware of that. It's not all charitable and giving of them. They definitely have a motive here to sell really, really well on Rift Apart. And I think the game will sell really well and this won't do anything but help it. I think the sales will be helped by this because PS4 owners that don't have PS Plus, if they get the game for free and play through it and really like it, once they get their PS5, they're going to be all over Rift Apart. So I do think this makes a lot of sense from a business standpoint. Number nine, the March PlayStation Plus games were revealed. So Sony confirmed on the PlayStation blog that the new PlayStation Plus games that will be available for download starting on March 2nd, 2021 will be Final Fantasy VII Remake, the first person puzzle game maquette for PS5 only. So this game is also coming to PS4, but it will only be free on PS5. And then we'll also be getting Remnant from the Ashes and Farpoint VR. So in my opinion, this is a really strong showing. I was actually already interested in Maquette when I saw an announcement trailer for the game. It's a first person puzzle adventure game it looks like, so I'm definitely going to check this one out. It'll probably be pretty short. And I was also interested in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I was actually thinking about buying the game, but I'm glad I waited because I'm not a Final Fantasy player or fan. I've never played a Final Fantasy game, but I did hear that VII Remake was a good place to jump in. And if you guys weren't aware, Final Fantasy VII Remake is being split into multiple parts. So the game that's being made free was the game released in April 2020 that was the first part of the remake. And it's rumored that the remake's going to be three full parts, but we'll just have to wait and see. And there is a little bit more to the story here that I'll save for when we get down to the state of play regarding Final Fantasy VII being on PlayStation Plus and a little bit of sneakiness regarding the announcement. So we'll definitely get into that later in the episode. So we'll revisit this in a little bit, guys, on why this announcement for PlayStation Plus for Final Fantasy VII Remake is just a little bit sneaky. And finally, the last announcement before we get into the Sony state of play, number 10, which is that new Pokemon games were announced on Friday. So Friday, February 26th from Nintendo, as well as other updates about the franchise. So we learned that on April 30th, the same day that Returnal is releasing on PS5, the new version of Pokemon Snap is coming out. 
to Nintendo Switch. We also learn in this Pokemon-centered Nintendo Direct that there are two new remakes coming to Nintendo Switch in late 2021, and these remakes are Pokemon Diamond and Pokemon Pearl, and the official names are Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl, and these games are remakes developed by Ilka and being led by an old Game Freak director as well. And for those of you that haven't played Diamond and Pearl, these games take place in the Sinnoh region. I was definitely more into Pokemon when I was younger, and beat these games back in the day i think they came out like 15 years ago a long time ago i probably played them in like elementary school or middle school so it's interesting that these were the games they decided to remake and bring back. They are regarded as some of the best Pokemon games, so this is definitely a good thing for Switch owners. And then finally, and this is the big announcement from the Direct, is that we learned that the game Pokemon Legends Arceus will be releasing in early 2022. And this is the next proper title in the Pokemon franchise developed by Game Freak, and it will be an open world game similar in vain to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, focused on the Sinnoh region as well. So not only are we getting Sinnoh, no games in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, but it sounds like the Pokemon Legends Arceus game will also be focused on Sinnoh, so I'm not entirely sure why they're doubling down on this region. It seems a little bit redundant, but I have to say that the new Pokemon game in the open world looks really, really cool. It does look like a mix between Pokemon and Breath of the Wild, and I really think this is the shot in the arm that Pokemon needed. It was definitely getting really redundant, and they kind of took a half step with Pokemon Shield and Sword, introducing that wild area. I never played... Or I should say, I never beat Pokemon Sword or Shield. I borrowed my friend's copy of Shield and played it for like two hours, and it was just the same thing as the past besides the open world area, and it really just wasn't for me. But with this Pokemon Legends Arceus, it does seem like they're giving a new light and a new meaning to Pokemon, an open world setting. I think would work really, really well for this game. So I'm excited to see more from this one. It did look a little bit choppy in the announcement trailer. The frame rate looked a little rough. Keep in mind, it is still early in development. It's probably over a year away at this point. So with the release in early 2022, I'm sure that they could get it together and make a really good open world Pokemon game. I am confident in Game Freak to do a good job with this one. I like what I've seen so far, and hopefully we'll see more on this soon. Maybe this will be a game that actually gets me back into playing my Switch a little bit. All right, so now that we got all of that various news out of the way, I do want to go into the Sony State of Play. This was definitely the major event of the week where a lot of new announcements were shown off as well as some updates for some games we already knew about. And there are 10 games to go into. And I was reading online, a lot of people were disappointed by this event, this Sony State of Play. I don't really understand why. I mean, I know a lot of people wanted to see like Last of Us Factions or Last of Us Update or God of War Ragnarok or gameplay for Horizon Forbidden West or maybe even a teaser for the next Spider-Man game. While there were some notable omissions, I want to do mention that it is still really early in the year. It is late February, and I imagine that Sony is going to come out swinging in April, May, or June with a major event showcasing the more heavy-hitting titles coming to PS4 and PS5 this year. So knowing that it was kind of just an update and event focused on some indie games and some upcoming PlayStation games, I didn't think the event was bad at all. However, if you were going into the event with some major expectations to see like God of War, Horizon, games like that i do understand why you could walk away a little bit disappointed but overall i'd give the event about a c plus or a b i didn't think it was as terrible as other people are making it out to be and there were some really really good games shown in the event that definitely helped improve it for me so we'll just go through the 10 games and the 10 announcements and you guys can make your mind up for your own on whether you thought the show was weak or not and again i thought it was average to slightly above average it wasn't horrible like some people on twitter are making it out to be at least from my perspective number one crash bandicoot 4 is coming to playstation 5 with improvements on march 12th so this announcement is basically just a reminder we definitely already reported on this last week or the week before i can't remember which but this is definitely just a reminder and a marketing ploy to push the game in this little event as it is coming in about two weeks on march 12th so we learned that developer toys for bob is targeting 4k at 60 frames per second for the game and there is a free upgrade if you already own crash 4 from ps4 to ps5 and your save can also transfer over, which is great. They're also focusing on adaptive triggers and 3D audio features as well. And the really exciting thing to me is that they are offering activity card support. So this is a feature on the PS5 that kind of has varying levels of support among developers. The activity cards are essentially pieces of the menu that allow you to find collectibles in games and give you tips on sections in games. Toys for Bob stated in the announcement trailer that this will help insanely talented people 
go for the 106% completion. So while I did beat the game, I would like to go and clean up some of the trophies. Some of the time trials are really difficult to go for, but these activity cards definitely appeal to me because they do serve as a way, a helpful way, I should say, to hunt some of the trophies down and increase your completion percentage and the game is really challenging like i mentioned some of the levels are tough i definitely died a lot and i really loved crash 4 having never played a crash game before there's a lot of content here as well so not only are there like a ton of levels probably like 80 levels plus in the main game but you can also play through all the levels again in inverted mode actually what it is i think there's like 40 or 50 levels in the game and then it increases the total to over 100 when you do inverted mode. Inverted mode is basically just an updated version of the levels that already exist. It mirrors them, flips them, changes the art style, changes some components up to make the levels worth revisiting. And we learned that the game will be $60 on PS5 if you don't already own it. But if you do, like I said, you can get that free upgrade and transfer your save over. So before we move on to the next game, I do just want to reiterate that if you like 3D platformers, don't skip this game. Crash Bandicoot 4 is really, really good. And I like that they're upgrading it to PS5. Really consumer friendly. They're giving you that free upgrade as well. So if you like 3D platformers, don't skip this one, everybody. The second announcement in the show is that Returnal gets a new combat trailer. Returnal, and this is interesting, I didn't really make this connection before. Maybe it's because we just haven't seen enough gameplay. But after watching this new trailer... Returnal actually reminds me a little bit of Control, which was the free game in February that I really like. And the reason it reminds me of Control is because in addition to the third person shooting, the player character Celine also does kind of a double dash similar to the dash that Jesse could do in Control. So it definitely reminds me of that from a gameplay standpoint. I feel like they definitely borrowed that from Remedy a little bit, which isn't a bad thing. I think that for this type of game, it makes sense. I don't want to accuse Housemark of stealing this gameplay mechanic. I don't think that Remedy had like exclusive rights over it. So I'm glad that it's making its way to Returnal. And I was also really pleased to find in the trailer that the game is said to have a really great narrative and story, and it does look to be a bit linear at times. So during the gameplay, I noticed in the upper right hand corner that there is an objective to go to. So as you make your way through these, this alien planet called Atropos, you have these kind of linear objectives to make your way through the story. So even though it is a roguelike game and when you die, the environments change up, the maps change, the enemy placement changes, your weapons change, your abilities change, it still looks to be a narrative focused linear third person shooter at the end of the day which is really really exciting to me that's what i wanted out of this game there looks to be a recurring theme in the game that brings celine back to an old house maybe where she had memories prior in her life or something like that the gameplay looks really good the enemy designs look great the shooting looks responsive i think returnal looks really really good i'm excited to play it comes out at the end of april april 30th coming to ps5 only not coming to ps4 and again, it's developed by Housemark in a second party relationship to Sony. Sony does not yet own Housemark, but as I've mentioned in the past, it is rumored that Housemark could be a potential target for Sony to acquire. And I imagine if this game does really well, Sony might want to put a ring on it. The third announcement in the event is that Knockout City was revealed. So Knockout City is a game developed by Velen Studios based in upstate New York who's working on the game. And in Knockout City, you play with friends in a multiplayer setting for a dodgeball type of game. So up to 32 friends can play it at once, it sounds like, according to the PlayStation blog. The standard game mode is said to be called Team Knockout, which is a multi-round 3 versus 3 match. The game will be $20 on PS4 and PS5 and will come out on May 21st. In addition to this, there is a beta coming soon for players looking to try the game out. And Knockout City, even though it's being developed by Velen Studios, it is going to be published by EA. We learned that the game has been in development for 4 years, so I bet we'll be seeing some some microtransactions alongside this $20 price tag now that we know that EA is the publisher and this just kind of seems like that type of game it has that kind of Fortnite art style I think it is appealing to the younger audiences I don't think it looks bad I think it looks pretty fun it's just not really my type of game so I don't think I'm going to play it it kind of looks also similar to the other recent Sony multiplayer offering in Destruction All-Stars which I still haven't played either so these multiplayer games just aren't really my type of thing but I'm sure that they'll find their audience I don't think Knockout City looks bad. I, I feel like it's going to be a game that maybe it doesn't like succeed to the massive proportion that Fortnite or Fall Guys did. I do think that Knockout City has potential and it will find its audience probably in the younger type of crowds. Number four, Sifu, and that's S-I-F-U was announced for PS4 and PS5. And we learned that Saifu is a Kung Fu action game. 
coming sometime in 2021. Saifu is developed by the Paris developer called Slowclap, and Slowclap has been working on the game for two years now. It was relayed in the PlayStation blog article. So the game will be a single-player, third-person, action-adventure kung fu game, and the game's pretty much about a young kung fu student whose entire family was murdered by assassins, and now he is out on a quest for vengeance after many years of training in the ways of kung fu. We learn that the murderers will be hunted down one by one. So to me, the game looks interesting. I'm still not sold on it personally. I think I need to see more. I think it has the potential to be pretty good. It definitely has a different art style that I'm not really sure if I'm behind yet. However, I do think the story sounds pretty cool in this game. So we'll definitely have to keep our eyes on Saifu. I'm sure maybe some of you out there are interested in checking this one out further. Number five of the event, and this one is really impressive and good for me. And this, this announcement actually surprised me in a really positive way. I liked what I saw here, is that Oddworld Soulstorm gets an April 6th release date, and it will be free on PlayStation Plus for the month of April, but only on PS5. And we still aren't sure of a PS4 free upgrade or not yet. So a little bit weird that it will only be free on PS5, even though it's coming to PS4. We'll just have to wait and see if they come out with another statement on that. We still don't know of the pricing for the PS4 version either. So PS4 owners definitely got a little screwed with that. But again, maybe there's more to it. We'll just have to wait to see if there's further clarification there on this announcement. But if you're a PS5 owner, really great, good looking free game for April coming. So Oddworld Soulstorm is developed by Oddworld Inhabitants based in Berkeley, California. And in the new trailer shown off, the game is described by Lauren Lanning, who is a major head at the studio as a 2.9D action platformer. And in the game you play as Abe the Muddikin, who is a creature who used to work in a meat factory that is starting a revolution. So it's a pretty funny premise. It sounds like there's a revolution starting against a greedy corporation. And we learn from a gameplay perspective that you can feel Abe's heartbeat through the haptic feedback in the PS5 controller on that version of the game. We learn that you can save other Mudokins up to 1000 in number that will help you in combat and in solving platforming puzzles. Abe also has a power of possession that will allow him to control the other Mudokins. Landing also relays that the game will have action set pieces, but also slower, more methodical stealth-based sections as well. And like I said, Abe is going to be kind of at arms and against a very powerful corporation and he'll actually be hunted by the corporation. The game has a rich and engaging narrative as well, according to Lanning. So I'm really personally very excited for this game. This is a game I was kind of curious about when I first saw it. I've never played a previous Oddworld game, but I was interested in seeing more and they definitely sold me on this one in the state of play this week. I would have personally paid up to $50 for this game probably on PS5, but I'm glad they're making it free through PS Plus on PS5. I imagine it'll probably be like a $30 game or a $40 game on PS4. I do think it's a little bit strange it won't be free on PS4 that month. At this time, we don't know if it'll get a free upgrade if you buy it on PS4. We'll just have to keep our eyes on this game and see if they come in with any new announcements pertaining to it. The reason it might be coming to PS5 only and not PS4 is honestly just because there's not a lot of PS5 games out to make free. And Jim Ryan did say that they do want to focus more in on making new games free immediately. So maybe that's part of the strategy. It just seems a little weird and a little bit tone deaf maybe to exclude 100 million plus PS4 owners that don't have a PS5 yet from this perk. So maybe they'll change their mind. Maybe they'll make it free on PS4 as well. But for now, it's only going to be free on PS5. And I'm really, really excited to play this one. Going to save 40 or 50 bucks from playing it on PS5. But again, I see why people out there that don't have a PS5 yet might be pissed off and annoyed by this announcement. And I think you have a right to be. But I do think Sony might, at the end of the day, do the right thing and make the game free on PS4 as well. The sixth game they showed in the state of play was Solar Ash. And we learn... And I guess I shouldn't say learn because we already knew, but the game is still arriving in 2021, although we did not get an exact date. They just said later this year. And Solar Ash is going to be an action platformer and adventure game in 3D, unlike the developer Heart Machine's previous game, Hyper Light Drifter, which was in 2D. And Heart Machine is based in California, and this is their second game, I believe. There's a big focus on fluidity and movement, and it really did remind me in the trailer of The Pathless, which is a great game you guys should play that I know I covered late last year. It was a PS5 launch game and is also available on PS4 if you'd like to play it there. The Pathless was a really good exploration adventure puzzle game that is really, really solid. I think you should check it out. So definitely some similarities between The Pathless and Solar Ash. Solar Ash 
features sunken cities, lava zones, and water shelves, it was said in the PlayStation blog article. The art style to me looks really unique and great. It looks a little bit like the Pathless, but more animated, even more animated, in a slightly different style. And we learned that in Solar Ash, we play as Rei, and that's R-E-I. I think that's how you pronounce it. And Rei is a Void Runner looking to save her home from an ultra black hole. There are boss fights in the game as well that look like a mix between the dragons of Breath of the Wild and the enemies to take down the bosses in Shadow of the Colossus. So I think this is a really cool looking game. I think I'm going to check this one out more once it's ready. I imagine I'll play this one. And this is a game that I didn't think I would be interested in when they announced it and revealed it for the first time. But after seeing more gameplay and seeing that it kind of looks like a mix between the Pathless and has elements of Breath of the Wild in there. I'm definitely interested. And again, we still only have a 2021 release window. We don't have an exact date, but we'll definitely keep our eyes peeled for this one. I imagine this will be like a summer game. I could see this dropping in like July or something like that. I don't think Sony has anything planned for July yet. So I think this one could slide in there pretty nicely. The seventh game we got an update on in the state of play was Deathloop which of course is the game developed by Arcane, the Bethesda-owned studio responsible for the Dishonored games. And like I've mentioned in the past, even though Bethesda is owned by Microsoft now, the timed exclusivity deal with PlayStation is still being honored. And this game will be coming to PlayStation first and Xbox presumably one year later. So the game is coming May 21st, 2021 on PlayStation and Xbox. It'll probably be ready to go on May 21st, 2022, if I had to guess. And to me, Deathloop looks really fun. And I know I've already said this in the past. It looks like a fast-paced action shooter, great art style, unique animated art style. The game looks to run really well on PS5 with a solid 60fps frame rate, if I could tell from the trailer. And it reminds me a little bit of James Bond, actually, with guns and assassinations. There's some great music that was blasting through the trailer. We know that it's going to be a timed type of game where you have a limited amount of time to assassinate your targets and there's different days in the game I, I believe where you assassinate a different target on each day and you, you need to chain together the assassinations so it's definitely going to be unique it's not going to be just like a typical linear shooter there is a timed element to it with the assassinations and I'm not entirely sure how well that part of the game is going to be executed yet but I am excited to check it out and I will play this game. I'm not sure if I'm going to play it right in May. I'll probably get to this one in like July or something like that. Like I mentioned last week, May is just a really busy time for games. So April 30th, Returnal comes out. That's the last day of April, basically May. And then May 7th, I believe we get Resident Evil 8 Village. May 14th, we get the Mass Effect games. And then Deathloop comes on the 21st. We have Oddworld coming on April 6th. So the spring is really filling in nicely. The spring and early summer for games. I do feel like there's a little something for everyone in this time of year. Even though I might not get to Deathloop right away, I'd like to play this game further down the line once I have a little bit of time and get through some of the other games that I'd rather play first, honestly. Like Returnal and Resident Evil 8 are at the top of my list for this year. I'm really, really excited. And then, of course, in June, we get Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. So the year is coming together really, really well from a release standpoint, in my opinion. All right, so the eighth game they showed, and this one, similarly to the Knockout Dodgeball game, does very little for me. And this game is Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. They showed a new gameplay trailer off. The game looks really weird to me, man. I, I think I'm just kind of missing the point of what this is. The developer is Steel Wool Studios, based in Oakland, California. And they did show a new gameplay trailer. I'll let you guys watch and decide for yourselves to see if it's something you might like. I still don't even really know what the game is. It just doesn't really appeal to me. That It's a little unsettling. The characters, the art style. I'm just not really sold on this one. I will be skipping it personally. They didn't even really need to show this. They just showed a really brief gameplay trailer, didn't even give a release date. I wasn't really sure what the meaning of having this game in the event was. Maybe they just want to remind their fans about it for when it is ready to go. They'll probably have another update about it. But for now, I do think it seemed a little bit out of place in the state of play. I thought that it didn't really seem to fit in well with the rest of the show. I think the way they showed it and framed the game was just a little bit strange. And I can't even really put my finger on why that is. It's just one that I won't be playing. So two more games to go into, guys, for the event, the state of play. And the ninth game that I want to go into is Kena Bridge of Spirits. And I know I've been calling it Kena for the longest time, but apparently the studio Ember Lab confirmed that her name is actually pronounced Kena. So Kena Bridge of Spirits 
was announced for a release date of August 24th, 2021. And this game looks absolutely phenomenal. This was the best looking game in the entire show for me, besides maybe Returnal, but I think Kena Bridge of Spirits actually surpassed Returnal for the best looking game in the showcase for me. So they did show a really beautiful trailer with a mix of cinematic moments and movement and gameplay. There's a beautiful large world to see that reminds me a little bit of Breath of the Wild, but more beautiful. It's it's based on Asian countries, apparently. They said they used Japan and Bali as influences. And even though there is a beautiful large world to explore, they said that the game is said to be somewhat linear. There's also going to be combat encounters and boss fights where the player can utilize Kana's spear and her bow. The colors in the game are super beautiful. It definitely has a Pixar movie style to it, and it was a little bit disappointing. So this game did have a March 2021 placeholder date after its initial first delay from November of 2020. And now we learned that unfortunately we have to wait another five and a half to six months to play this game, which definitely sucks. Like I was really excited for this one, but I understand the delay. I'm sure that development has been hard. It's definitely a small team. They definitely want to polish it and make it as good as they can over there ember lab in california and again i want to reiterate not only does the world and the story look inviting and intriguing and beautiful but the gameplay looks really really good it looks to run really smoothly and just have this fast-paced cool looking combat that reminds me a little bit of god of war or horizons combat a little bit i i could see them drawing influences from both of those games which is really really exciting and i think this game honestly has potential to be one of the very best games of the year i think that people that are sleeping on this game shouldn't be i think everyone out there that's sleeping on it should wake up and check this one out. I definitely think even if it's not going to be the game of the year, I definitely think it's going to be in the running and definitely the front runner right now for the indie game of the year from a smaller studio. So again, I do recommend you check this trailer out the whole way through. The music seems incredible and powerful and I do wish it was earlier. I wish it was coming to us earlier in March like they initially planned, but it will be an amazing late summer game hopefully for us to go into. I really hope that this is the concrete date and they're being conservative with it, and it will launch then in late August. I hope we don't get another delay to the late fall. That would be disappointing. But I think that another six months of polish should really shape this game up to be ready to go. Like, even the gameplay and the trailer looked really polished already, so I'm sure they do just want to refine some things. And this is their first game, so I'm sure they just want to make sure they have sufficient time in making this game as polished and as good as it can be. So I'm on board with the delay. Like always, I think the game's only going to be better from it. Just a little bit disappointed. I was expecting to play it this month, but again, August 24th, we can't be too upset about that. In six months, we'll be playing a really beautiful looking indie title. We also learned after the event on the PlayStation blog that the standard edition of the game will be $40, which in my opinion is a perfect price point because they did announce prior through an article in Game Informer actually that the game is going to be shorter in length. So I do think $40 for this is perfect. And then if you want to support them, you can give them $50 for the digital deluxe edition of the game, which is coming to both PS4 and PS5. And the digital deluxe edition will include a digital soundtrack a golden rot skin and the rot skin is for the little rot creatures in the game that are kind of partners to Kana. and then also the digital deluxe edition will come with a special silver staff exclusively for Kana in the game and again Kana bridge of spirits is coming to ps4 and ps5 and pc as well but we're not sure yet if the pc version will be day and date with the playstation versions so again i was hoping because i did see earlier this week before the state of play that a rumor was circling that the game will be the free game for the month of March for PlayStation Plus, but unfortunately that's not the case. We do have to wait longer for this one, but I'm very, very excited. I think this looks to be one of the very best games of the year, and I hope you guys look into it, and maybe you'll feel the same way that I do. The 10th game they announced in the state of play, and this will kind of circle back now to the PlayStation Plus announcements, so we'll kind of combine these news items together, and I'll give you guys what I think about it. So the 10th game they showed was Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, and this game will arrive on PS5 on June 10th. So we learned that players who bought the game either physically or digitally Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS4, I should say, can upgrade to the PlayStation 5 version for free and also carry over their save data. There's also going to be a paid expansion and DLC coming in the Intergrade Edition that features the character Yuffie that will not be included in the free upgrade. So even if you do have the PS4 version and take advantage of the free upgrade, 
to the PS5 version of Final Fantasy VII Remake, you'll still need to pay an undetermined price for the Yuffie episode or DLC expansion, whatever you want to call it. And the Yuffie episode was actually further clarified by IGN.com in contact with Square Enix after the event. The Yuffie episode will be exclusive to PS5, so it won't be playable on PS4. But where it gets interesting is that for players that redeem the game in March on their PS5s or their PS4s, for Final Fantasy VII Remake through PlayStation Plus, they will not get a free upgrade. So the only players that will get the free upgrade to the bells and whistles that we'll go into shortly for the Final Fantasy VII Remake Next Gen Edition on PS5 will be players that have already bought the game either physically or digitally. PlayStation Plus redeemers of the game will not get a free upgrade. So before we get into my thoughts on this upgrade fiasco, I want to go into the rest of the announcement first. And then we'll go into my thoughts on the PlayStation Plus situation. So Square Enix did announce in the state of play that in Final Fantasy VII Remake, the updated PlayStation 5 version, you can switch between 4K or 60 frames per second. So there's a 4K resolution mode or a 60 FPS performance mode. It sounds like you can't have both at once. So this is pretty similar to what other games have been doing lately, with exceptions like Insomniac knocked it out of the park and gave us 4K with ray tracing and 60 frames with Miles Morales. But... It sounds like you do have to choose, in this case, between 4K or the better frame rate. We also learned that a new photo mode is coming to the game. And then, like I said, the Yuffie DLC will be included in the integrated Final Fantasy VII Remake PlayStation 5 version that you can purchase for $70, or you can purchase separately if you've already taken advantage of the free upgrade if you've paid for the PS4 version of the game, but we still don't know the price of the Yuffie DLC. So it's definitely a little bit confusing. So I do think it's great that they're making Final Fantasy VII Remake free on PlayStation Plus this month. I think that's a really strong offering and a good game to help bolster the service, especially for someone like me that hasn't played it yet. I missed out on the game and it wasn't really on the top of my list and I was hesitant to buy it, but now that it's free, I kind of have a decision to make. I have to decide if I want to play the PS4 version in March for free on my PlayStation 5 or wait until June to play the upgraded version. I don't really care about the Yuffie episode personally. I don't even really know who that character is. I'm not a Final Fantasy fan. So I could even buy the disc now on Amazon for like $30. It's on sale for 30 bucks right now and get the free upgrade in June that way since I have the physical edition of the PlayStation 5 and I could just insert the disc and get the free upgrade. But with that being said, I think I might just play the PS4 version for free on my PS5 in March and then play Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 or whatever it is once that's ready to go next year maybe on PS5 the PS5 version I would wait until June and buy the game for 30 bucks and get the upgrade but there just isn't a lot out right now so I think I might want to play this game and knock it out before the late spring and summer when so many good games are headed our way. In terms of my thoughts on the lack of the free PlayStation Plus upgrade, I do think it was a little weird of them and a little bit sneaky to announce the free upgrade in the state of play for players that bought the game already. And then the very next morning, announce it for PlayStation Plus, but put a little asterisk on it on the announcement saying that players that download the free PS Plus version will not get the free upgrade. So I think it's a little bit sneaky that they announced this in this order, but at the same time, you can't expect them to just give PlayStation Plus players a free upgrade for something that isn't even out yet that they are trying to promote, sell, and make money on. So at first, while I was disappointed that the PlayStation Plus version doesn't include a free upgrade i'm just happy we're getting the game for free at all and it is cheap right now if you buy it like i said it's 30 dollars on amazon so if the upgrade's really important to you i'm sure that 30 dollars is well worth it and i also heard it runs pretty well on the ps4 anyways so besides getting the 60 frames per second or the 4k resolution there isn't much of a reason to wait to play it with there not being much out right now and i know that once we get to june i'm not gonna have time to play this game. I'm not going to prioritize this game with all the other great titles that are coming, so I might as well play it now. It already runs well. The PS4 version might as well play it now when there's not much coming out. I think that's going to be my plan. Worst case, I could start it on PS4 and then if if I fall off of it or aren't really liking it or decide I do want to wait for the PS5 version, I can just buy the disc and then carry my save over. I think that's a good option as well. So I imagine that I will be playing this game in March, if I had to guess, alongside Blue Fire, if that comes to PlayStation in early March, as I expect it to. And these will both come after Bioshock Infinite. Now that I've beaten Bioshock 1, Bioshock Infinite with the PS5 60 frames and 4K is definitely the next game I want to replay. I really enjoyed Bioshock Infinite the first time and can't wait to replay that one. 
So yeah, guys, that was a really heavy news week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. This episode will probably come out to at least 50 minutes, maybe even an hour when it's all edited and said and done. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully this updated you on some games coming this year. And hopefully you realize that the state of play wasn't as bad as everyone said it was. I mean, even though it was missing some major knockout, heavy hitting games like The Last of Us 2 Update or God of War Horizon anything like that. I do think that for what is coming imminently and soon, it was really, really strong. We have some really great games coming to PS5 and PS4 that makes it a really good time to be a PlayStation player, at least in my opinion. Maybe you guys thought it sucked. Maybe you thought it was a bad presentation, but again, I have to give them like a C plus or a B. It really would have just brought it to the next level if they showed like Horizon or God of War gameplay at the end, but hopefully that'll be coming soon in a spring or summer event. I believe it'll have to be. And keep in mind, guys, like I said, it is only February. There's a lot of time left this year for new announcements and updates on games that we're really excited for. So just enjoy what we're getting in, in April and May and June. We have some really good games coming up and don't worry too much about the stuff that's coming up down the line. At least that's the way I look at it. And before we go, remember that you can support the show on Patreon starting at just a dollar a month for early and ad-free access and the ability to submit your questions or comments to the show each week for just a dollar more for two bucks a month. Please remember to leave kind reviews and ratings on podcast services and also check out the YouTube channel. I did just put up a couple Last of Us 2 videos if you guys would like to check them out and I imagine that'll have some Bioshock content coming soon for you guys if you're interested. But until next time guys, thanks so much for stopping by for episode 36. Please look forward to next week's episode and much more YouTube content content coming your way soon. Thanks so much and take care.